Jerem Jordan. What happens in Vegas is broadcast live in radio vision. <laughs> no one wants that. BYU Sports Nation. Presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, wherever and however. <laughs> that is the greatest intro you have ever had on this show. Wherever and however you have chosen to dial in. I'm there glad been you dozens got to, of, There have been dozens of good ones. You got to witness the greatest ever, according to Jerem Jordan. Man, I'm just happy to be here. We, we've been here uh, a week, and it's been fantastic. Our crew's been great. Um, everyone at the Orleans Arena, West Coast Conference has been great. It's been so fun to be here. Uh, minus the results of the men and women's basketball teams who didn't finish the deal. And, and on BYU TV, we're taking a look at it around Big Blue, everyone that's worked so hard. Honestly, they're just waiting for us to wrap up so they can clean up all this stuff and get out of here. Can we get a very early rise and shout to our crew yes. for what they have done and all we'll week? probably do it again later. Un- <laughs> unbelievable effort yeah. to make this happen. I mean, there Las are five Vegas. people right in front of us. It's like, it's like 20 or 30 people to to do what we do up here. We're just two guys in front of the camera that get to talk, but it's fun to be here with all those guys. We're just the dummies with the microphones in front of our faces. We've been called that. <laughs> That's probably true in many instances. Yes. Hey, whatever. It's It's been a really fun week, and we're happy to do one more show from Las Vegas. Big show lined up today. ESPN bracketologist Charlie Cream. He does the yeah. women's side. He's good friends with Joe Lenardi. He had BYU seated as... A sixth seed before the championship game they lost. We'll find out if he's going to drop them at all. And maybe if they had won the game, would, would they have jumped up to a five seed? Yeah, I wonder because of how bad San Francisco is, that it, will it even matter that much? I, I don't know. We'll see. Plus, Blaine Fowler will join us. We'll break down all things, spring football, men's basketball, and whatnot. And then uh, play a little big deal, no deal. So it's a big day. That's a big deal. On that note, rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. The biggest big story of all big stories right now in BYU Sports. That brings us to our Twitter question. Which you just said. What is the biggest story right now in BYU Sports? Use I didn't add, I didn't BYU add the what. And whatever, man. At T. Saltum. You guys starving for material? Open it up to Twitter? Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's. What do we do now? Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah, no, we do this show all year. If you're new to the show, we do it all year. There are very few days we, we take it off. There's not one of them. What what else is going on? I mean, there, it's interesting because there are many different uh, relevant sports outside of football, men's basketball going on. Yet, the answer to this question is easy for me. Spring football. It's football school. We love our men's basketball. We love all the sports, right? But football is first. Bronco was wrong. It wasn't fifth. It's first for a lot of people in this. And football is the answer to this. So to me, I go, okay, what else? To me, it's baseball. The start that they've had, the way that they have played, uh, the home opener, you know, on Tuesday night, it's good. It was Niagara this weekend. It's going to be fun to go out to those games and enjoy that because the scenery is awesome. To me, baseball is awesome. Men's volleyball ranks second in the country. I refuse to rank them number one. More on that coming up. One twelve in a row. Is that a big deal or no deal? <laughs> Jerem is blatantly Avoiding voting BYU I'm number not one. Avoiding it. I will explain myself <laughs> coming up in Big Deal No Deal. In all seriousness, we asked the Twitter question today because we want to give you a voice. We want to know what you think right now, okay? With the men's basketball team likely headed to the NIT, no NCAA tournament, but still playing with Kyle Collinsworth and Chase Fisher and Nate Austin, those three seniors who have had great careers. Women's basketball. They finally won a West Coast Conference regular season championship. Which I want to point out is an 18-game tournament. And for some reason, when you come to Vegas and you have this three-game tournament, why is that tournament celebrated more than the 18-game tournament? It shouldn't be. That makes no sense to me. The auto bid 
is in that situation because it generates some revenue. Conference tournaments and men's hoops, women's hoops, those are like bowl games. They're to make money. Because BYU already won the league. They played 18 games and won it by multiple games. It's an interesting thing that way. It's how you get into the NCAA tournament, and it's conference uh, money for it's money for that conference. This is the biggest thing the West Coast Conference does, is this event. You know what we haven't mentioned thus far is BYU Baseball, and at Kimball A24 baseball. said BYU Baseball has to be the biggest story. Now, the team is well-rounded. They're off to their best start in school history. Yeah, they, they have a couple of good pitchers. I think they're looking for that third pitcher, but... Mike Littlewood has those guys going. He he warned us that they'd be good, if you will. Um, he said that they felt like they have 12 bats. And we got a tweet on the show at DJ Nelts last week or uh, yesterday that said, the Batcats, it's time to pay attention to the Batcats. I love the Batcats. I'm using that the rest of the season. It's hard to argue that football is not the biggest story right now. Yeah. Even with e- Even if it weren't a new staff and it weren't like a bunch of new guys <laughs> trying to come – are you distracted by the anthem behind us? They're practicing the anthem behind us. I feel disrespectful by not listening, but here we are. We'll just, we'll just keep going unless we're told not to. But football, okay, yeah, focus in on this. BYU football with Ty Detmer, Tanner Mangum, Taysom Hill, Kalani Satake. Brand new football playbook. How do you ignore that right now? They're gonna have How do a- I ignore that right now, the anthem? I can't. It's really hard. Yeah. But, but spring football, really compelling. There's not a lot coming out of this. And we'll ask Blaine Fowler what he thinks is coming out of this. Because spring football is where it's at. Football, everyone's paying attention to that. Even if it's not a big deal, like there will be a tight end on the field, was spoken on Tuesday. People are talking about that. It's nothing. We don't have a game for a while. Now, don't play the countdown. We don't have a game for a while. But, that, but it's spring football. A close second right now, though, is basketball. The loss to Gonzaga, that's kind of that conversation kind of cooling off uh, from Monday night. But what is what does BYU do? What's the NIT bid? Uh, who's BYU going to play? Are they going to host? Are they going to be motivated? Do they want to play in that? Can they make a run to New York City? What do they do? BYU's won two titles in that. Let's, the NIT. Let's be fair to all of these options because I know football is king. So it's what it, besides football or do you think it's football? Use the hashtag BYUSN <sighs> Well yeah it, it is there. it is football right now just because of the newness of it all. Jerem Jordan is applauding the uh, practiced national anthem and that is weird. Not standing up and like saluting the flag even when they're practicing. I think okay, turn done. around. Focus. I th- We're I think, done. I think he's Back done. to football. Yeah. BYU football will always be the number one. I, it's like Nacho Libre. Ramsey's legs are the number one. So let's make this other than football for our conversation. What's the biggest story outside baseball. of football? You think it's baseball? Yeah. The way they're playing has the attention of a lot of people. Now, this is a program that used to have some really good players. Wally Joyner, Joyner Corey Snyder, Rick Aguilera, Jack Morris. All these guys went to the major leagues. And we're notable guys in the major leagues. It's been a while. I'm not saying this team's chock full of major league guys. We'll see. But the way that they're playing is getting the attention of BYU fans, which baseball kind of gets buried in, in the tier. It's kind of three, four, or five typically. Um, now that basketball's kind of wrapping up, waiting on the NIT, to me, baseball has emerged as a team. People are used to the men's volleyball team being awesome. So, so the fact that baseball has emerged is because we're not used to them being this awesome. I think it's a little bit too early to just crown them right now what? as the biggest story. Yes, best start in Wait, school what history. Do they do? Oh, what do you think then? I'm 
It's BYU women's basketball. Really? Yes. 26 and 6. The highest seed they've ever received in at large. Or I think ever in NCAA tournament seeding is a 7. Is a 7. So that's a, on the line. Okay. They could beat that. Does the loss affect that? Yeah, Charlie Cream will tell us. If they're a six seed, why are we not paying more attention to BYU women's basketball? They won 16 games in conference. Yeah, they started the season two and three and went on this crazy run. And they have the player, Lexi Rydalch, who is now the all-time leading scorer in West Coast Conference history. Which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Again, Spencer jumped it. That's okay. We're just going to fight through it. Uh, like that answer. I didn't Let's jump the number, Jerem. Lexi Ry- I don't know the number. Lexi Rydalch is the West Coast Conference all-time leading scorer. Passing game gathers with 2,513 points. There's the number. That is really, really good. Is that a big deal? We'll tell you coming up. Tyler Hawes, by the way, finished in fourth, and that's without his numbers his freshman year. So Tyler Hawes would be number one. But he played in the Mountain West but Conference. But he played in the Mountain West Conference. And the, at the end of his freshman season, he played with one eye. Remember when he got poked in the eye and had to shoot free throws in the NCAA tournament? And he made and them. And he made them. And he made them. Yeah. So for me, it's women's basketball. Interesting. Star, star power. They yeah, also yeah, have Kalani yeah. Purcell, who is always going to be on triple-double watch. One of the two power Kalanis on campus right now. Very exciting player right now. And they're going to the NCAA tournament. So like BYU, we'll find out Monday, by the way. Selection if BYU Monday. baseball were later in the season, and they you know, they were 40-10, and 10, and they, they had been ranked at one point, and they were leading the conference, like, okay, it's just too early for me to say that they are the biggest story right now. The women's team is headed to the NCAA tournament as an at-large, and they could potentially have the highest seed they've ever, well, or lowest seed, depending on how you look at it, yeah. the best seed that they've ever had in program history. I totally get all those arguments, but the fact that uh, we've known the women's basketball team is really good, we've known that they won the regular season championship for a couple weeks, and now the baseball team in the first three weekends, all of a sudden they've, uh, you know, won 10 games the first three weekends out of the first 11, the best start in school history, that has people's it's attention. The new, it's new. Absolutely. It's new. And that is the idea here. What's but the I don't think, it, I don't think that we should ignore no. BYU women's basketball and say that they're not the biggest story just because baseball is new and exciting. No, I, I don't think anyone's ignoring it. I Had BYU won the West Coast Conference Tournament, close it out against San Francisco, I think you'd have a stronger argument than baseball. I really do. Okay. Well, we can all agree football is king. With a new coach, with a new offensive Who's coordinator. Who's arguing that? Inside Emmer. Oh, I, there's always somebody that's going to argue it, Jeremy. It's a basketball. Always. There it's, will always be football, someone that argues football, basketball, that. and guess what? BYU is the best non-Power 5 athletic program in the country. Every, there, there's, a, there's a competition with that, and BYU wins that every year. That's why it's fun to do BYU Sports Nation. We have all these awesome sports that we can pay attention, pay attention to all year. It's not Air Force Sports Nation. There's not a bunch of 9-20 and 20 teams. BYU Sports <laughs> is good. It's not New Mexico. The, the standard is really high. The standard is really high. Yes, it is. Championship standard, in fact. And so it's disappointing when you lose to Gonzaga, you lose to San Francisco in this tournament. What is the biggest story right now in BYU sports? Is it anything other than football is one day closer, Jerem? Oh, boy. Countdown to the Wildcats. 178. Yes. High five for that. Is it because basketball kind of feels like it's turning the page? <sighs> I couldn't think of anything creative to do today, so okay. it's like, I'll just join in. Hey, I appreciate that honesty. I appreciate that honesty. What is the biggest story right now in BYU sports? Blaine Fowler, Football. dual threat analyst, will join us with his thoughts next. 
at Coog Max says Selection Monday, and the only team going to the NCAA's BYU women's basketball are his biggest story. Little did you know, your single-digit seed was about the women. Have you seen Blaine's biceps, by the way? Yeah. He says he feels fat. What? What's, what's that all about? Huh? He joins us next. You even lift, bro? BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Our conversation happening right now on Twitter. We are at the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. West Coast Conference Championships just recently wrapped up. We invite you to follow us at BYU Sports Nation and use the hashtag BYUSN because we broadcast long after the basketball Stops hitting the floor. Uh, all year, man. Yep. All year. And baseball season is underway. BYU's 10-1. and 1. The Bad Cats, as they were called by at DJ Nelts yesterday, were awesome. The that's Bad Cats. A, that's an awesome name. Okay, so the Bad Cats are playing. It sounds like, you know, Batman and Catwoman or something. I don't, I don't know what's going on. They played Niagara, a four-game series this weekend. The third game of that series, Friday at 8 Eastern, and the fourth game, Saturday at 2 Eastern, will be live on BYU Radio. That whole series, I believe, as well. On the W.TV. Check it out. BYU off to their best start in program history. Our Twitter question today, what is the biggest story right now in BYU sports? Baseball enthusiasts might think that it's BYU baseball because it's been a very long time since they had any national notoriety. They're getting some votes in both major polls. But what do you think? Send in your tweets using the hashtag BYUSN. Joining us now, our first guest of the day, Blaine Fowler. Blaine, welcome back to the set, to the Big Easy you're home away from home, right? This, yeah, for at least two games a day for the last how many days? <laughs> right here. No, I sit right there, though. Do I sit? No, I sit there. Yeah, you, you sit, sit here. here. You okay. sit here. Jerem sits there. I sit here with you. And Spencer sits down there, unless yeah. I'm down there. What do we call this down there? Getting, this is the big, is that the, the bayou down the there? It's the swamp. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to roll your sleeves up and get into the swamp. You got go to the work. Game. Go down there. Just call the game. Like Fast and the Furious 7, The Rock. Daddy's got to go to work. He's got to go to work. Cast. So it, the, it works better if he says it with his biceps. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, yeah. Getting, I'm getting soft this week. There's just I've been yeah, sitting around soft. eating all week long and just calling <laughs> games. My voice is getting messed up. I haven't lifted in a week. It's bad. Neither have I, man. That's crazy. I'm ready. I'm ready to get back in the gym. I consume more chips and soda this week than any other week all year. Was that the case for oh, you guys? Yes. Because we're in this arena every day, all day. To keep alive. No, I, I did limit it to baked chips. That's way healthier. Okay. We're talking. I can applaud way that. Way yeah, yeah, I can applaud An that. An early yeah. rising shout for the baked chips. They had the baked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's ask you the Twitter question. We'll start there. Uh, with the official questions, what is the biggest story for you right now within BYU sports? There's a lot going on. Football, spring practice, men's and women's basketball and postseason play, baseball up to their best start, volleyball rank number two. What do you think? Well, now that the tournament's done, spring football. That's it. It, it, it is. I think the mo- when I'm walking around town in Utah, wherever I am, the thing that people come up and ask me about most often is, what are you hearing from spring ball? What's going on? Is How's Taysom doing? I hear he's ahead of schedule. What about Jamal Williams back? That's the topic of conversation. For, so for BYU fans, I think that's the biggest deal. And there's a lot of great things going on. I mean, I love Mike Littlewood, and I love that baseball team and what they're doing. You guys are telling me that's a better start than when, when Wally yes, yes. and Corey and Scott, all those guys were Isn't there? Isn't that Rick unbelievable? Aguilera, yep, all those guys. Wow. That is impressive. He's a fantastic coach. I miss him during this time of year because when I'm doing a ton of games around the West, people don't know what a good uh, basketball official Mike was. One of the top in the country – but BYU fans never saw him because he 
couldn't do BYU games because that's his alma mater. He's done a couple of Elite Eights. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. He's, I would see him all the time. The big, big Mountain West games that I would do was San Diego State, UNLV. You name the big game, he was on that. He was right there with David Hall and Vern Harris and those guys. And a fantastic official. And so the only you know loss for for him coming to be the head coach of BYU in baseball is that we miss him in college basketball officiating. He was really, really good. He knows the game. Do you guys ever have him break down basketball when he comes on? We, we've talked about officiating. Uh, not basketball analysis, per se. We have you do that. But yeah, yeah he, No, he's, he really he knows the game. He's great. He's doing a fantastic. So, hey, and the teams are going to postseason play. The women are in the NCAA tournament for certain. They're probably a, a sixth seed. And, then, and the men are going to be in the NIT most likely. And they've got a chance to make some noise in that tournament. Those are all big things. But what do people ask me about? They don't walk up and ask me about that. They walk up and they ask me about spring football every time. Ty Detmer, Taysom Hill, yeah. Tanner Mangum, Jamal Williams. There's so many questions because it's so new and it's so exciting it's for everybody. It's not very compelling or exciting right now. There's nothing really new going on <laughs> with football. There's so much going on, right? It, it seems to be somewhat uneventful um, at a spring ball, which I think is an okay thing. I think those guys are going to work, putting their nose to the ground, establishing new systems. It's not nothing crazy or outlandish is happening in spring football right now. Yeah, the coaches only know, like, they don't even know half the kids. You know, they, What's I, your name? They, no, they literally, they put names up the first day that the coaches all got together to see who was who, and literally half the kids, nobody knew them. And these are guys that will play. Some of these guys will play. And so <laughs> the first part of this is to get to, to get to know the kids a little bit and what their skill sets are. The fun part is everybody's got a blank slate so they can, they can compete for jobs. Including one Gavin Fowler. That's right. Gavin's back from his knee surgery, and so he'll be working his way up the depth chart as he gets healthy again. He's only eight months out, so... He won't be full speed for a little while yet, but he's he's out there competing full speed, but he won't be as fast as he was before the injury until usually it's about 12 months coming back from that. If you talk to Kyle Collinsworth or to Brian Keel and those guys, they'd say 12 months you'll be feeling like you got your regular old knee back. So he's a couple months away, but he'll be ready for fall. He'll be ready for fall. What's the best thing you have heard coming out of spring football thus far in terms of performance or ideologies, whatever? I love what I'm hearing from both the coaches and players about what they're focusing on. This the, on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively, they really simplified things. They're going to put a premium on having the players be able to play at full speed. And and Broncos had a lot of success with, with their concepts, but Broncos defense especially requires a ton of reads, even after the snap of the football. So if this, then that. So we're going to line up, and this is what you're going to do, but if this guy goes this way and that guy goes that way, then you've got on top. So you're, you're reading and you're making decisions while you're playing. And so it puts a premium on having veteran players. Um, and then once, once you get it, the reads put you in great positions, but if you make a mistake, you get exposed. This defense is much simpler. And they get a pre-snap read. Uh, for the most part, they lock into what their assignment is, and then they just play. And, uh, and I believe they're a week into it, and almost the entire defense is in- installed already. So it's, it's, that, it's that simple. Wow. Uh, and now it's about, okay, guys, now work on technique. Make sure you master what we're doing. Get playing at full speed. Um, uh, you know, they want these guys to take advantage of their athleticism and play at full speed and feel like they'll be better. That's this defense that, that, that Ed Lamb and Tuiaki and these guys are putting together is one that they're going to really rely on these guys playing free and confident and not making a lot of mental mistakes. On the offensive side, they're simplifying schemes as well. There was a lot of reads on the offensive line in, in previous years. This year, there's, they'll, they'll have assignments. They'll know what those assignments are. So before the snap, they know who they're going to get, and those can change with communication. But um, the quarterback's going to know 
he's going to make a call at the line of scrimmage, like we used to do in the old days, of the direction that he wants the blocking to go so he knows who the free player is. And if he comes, he's responsible for getting the ball out. So I, I think simple, simple concepts are going to allow this team to play faster and not make as many mistakes. Which is interesting because Ty has talked about, okay, we want to slow it down a little bit. They're going to huddle. Um, yeah, yeah, we want to huddle, and that's such a crazy idea. Oh, my goodness. Okay, we've been here. We watched BYU lose to Gonzaga a couple nights ago. And uh, Gonzaga is the king of this tournament. They own, they own this place. They, I joke that they own the court. They actually own the court. They certainly own this hotel when I walk around. <laughs> yes, they do. Everyone, everyone from Spokane is here. I don't know who's there. Roxy Bernstein said uh, something like, I don't know who's, yeah, I don't know who's in Spokane. What's there's there's the, nobody left. He no said it's left. a good time to rob a bank in Spokane <laughs> yeah, right now. He said he didn't, uh, yeah, he didn't want to uh, you know, endorse that. But what's the biggest difference right now between the programs, BYU and Gonzaga, in your opinion? Right now, Gonzaga, in this environment, has a mental edge. They've done this so many times that they come in and they expect to win. And it's not just their own mental edge. So in their minds, the other teams in the league expect them to win when they come into this tournament. And and so that, that along with they're always really good, they're always really talented, their bigs are really good. Sabonis so is an NBA player, could go out this year and he'd get drafted. Yeah, go he's, this year, man. He, He's a couple years away from being a, a solid NBA player, but here's the risk. If he came out this year and you didn't draft him, you'd be taking the risk that two years from now you wouldn't even have a chance to get him. So somebody would take him right now if he went out. They absolutely would because of his skill set. Their guards are solid. Wilcher is just makes really, really good decisions. He's a pure shooter out there. He's a tough matchup because of his length. So they have some really good pieces, and, and, and Dranginis played – I thought particularly well in the BYU game defensively. How about about the fact that in the end of the parts of that game in Provo between BYU and Gonzaga, and then for most of the game here, they put some bonus on Kyle Collinsworth. What a move defensively! It's, it's I thought brilliant. That limited Kyle. It's brilliant, and 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 they were good with the rotation. So when Kyle took him and tried to go by him, they helped out. So they were good. They were very sound with what they decided to do. Had a good game plan coming in, and and that limited what Kyle could do. And so what that did, that put a premium on the wings being able to make shots, and and. So that it really took away Kyle's ability to drive and do all those things where he can just change a game. So they said, okay, BYU's wings, you have to beat us. And they just didn't have they, – they were close, but they didn't have quite enough to beat them last night. They Maybe had to make from a – Chase Fisher. They needed a higher percentage of shots made from Chase Fisher. And and you know what? Nick Emery played out of his mind, but he had some bad shot selections down the stretch too yeah. where they could have been a little more patient. Because when he gets a good shot and he's squared up, oh, he makes it. Like, he's very consistent shooting when he takes good shots. And so, it, I thought they had a great game plan. And I don't know that there's a lot BYU could have done to combat it other than knock down shots. For all intents and purposes, it appears that BYU men's basketball is now certainly headed for the NIT. I know the future looks amazing. The next five to seven years with recruits coming in and people are super excited. And I think they should be. And I know that Dave Rose is really high on that. But now it's the NIT. Mm-hmm. What kind of a team do you expect to show up in the NIT, NIT from BYU? I, it's, whether you're playing in the NIT or the NCAA, it's like this whole new thing. So you're just kind of like, okay, let's shut that bad loss against Gonzaga out and let's start over again, see if we can't make a run here. And momentum builds in the NIT. You don't know where you're going to play next. Are you going to be home? Or are you going to go on the road? But, but to get back to New York and play is a cool reward at the end of that. BYU's been back to the Final Four uh, and so there's some point of reference there of how fun that that can be. And these guys don't want to stop playing. They're a dangerous team. Mark Few last um, was it last night or the night before, whenever that game was, I can't remember. Mark Few uh, from the up at the podium said, "Hey, 
BYU is a really good team this year. We're a really good team this year, and we're both playing pretty well right now. He said, if BYU's in the NCAA tournament and I was a one or two seed and I had to play them, I would be very nervous about playing BYU. They're dangerous because when they shoot the ball well, and if they can get hot and on a roll for a couple of weeks, they've got a chance to advance in that thing pretty far. When you look at the women's team, uh, if they're uh, a six seed or a seven or a five or whatever, and uh, we'll talk to Charlie Kramer, a bracketologist coming up from ESPN. What, how far do you think BYU can go, the women? They, they have a chance, and we mentioned just at the beginning, they're probably a six seed. We thought maybe they could move up to a five with a win, but they're probably not going to drop. Their RPI is high enough um, that they should hold there. Yeah, 15 in the RPI. Yeah, so, so they're, they're not going to go over the six. As, as a six seed, this is a, certainly a team that has the talent to be in the Sweet 16 and then maybe beyond that. Mm. So they've been to the Sweet 16 a couple of times with Jeff Judkins. It's a team that can get out and run, so they can play at pace, so they can play in the half court. They did not take care of the basketball in the San Francisco game the way they need to in the tournament. That was their Achilles heel in this one. Uh, they, they had some t- tough calls go against them at the end of the game against San Francisco, and uh, they got a little bit on their heels, but then they came down they were careless with the ball. They still were in control of that basketball game if they take care of it. They had some turnovers. Turnovers cost them in that ball game, and this is against a team in San Francisco that's really active, but turns the ball over themselves during the regular season, and they doubled their almost doubled their turnovers, and then they were big time plus in turnover margin. San Francisco was in that game, and that's what really cost. Me. In the end, carelessness with the basketball is what cost BYU. And, and Lexi didn't shoot it great, but she's not always. Here's the nice part about BYU: the women's side. Lexi can have an off night, and they have plenty of other scores that can pick it up. Kalani can have another an off night. You know, you can't have them both off on the same night, but they they have the luxury to have one of the bigs, you know, the big scores off and still win a tournament game. That they've got a lot of talent and they're pretty balanced. Even though Lexi dominates in scoring, there's other folks that can step up. BYU women's basketball now awaiting their seating on Selection Monday. Selection Sunday won't include BYU in terms of the big dance, the NCAA tournament, but the National Invitation Tournament. BYU will find out who. Which and where BYU they are has playing. won twice, Spencer. That's 51 right. 51 and 66. Yes. There's a rich that tradition. Is, that is right. In that tournament. And they went to the Final Four in 2013. <laughs> yeah. that's I remember that. It was a fun run to, for them to get we back to Madison Square Garden. We sent Steve Cleveland live from Madison Square yes. Garden, baby. We <laughs> that's did a right. pretty I remember that. That was fun. It, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because listening to Mark Few last night, the league this year, the WCC, is undervalued. Like, he, you know, he felt like Gonzaga, BYU, and St. Mary's were all good enough to be in that field of 64, but it was in the preseason when the the league didn't do well. It's when BYU was trying to figure out who they were without Tyler Haas. It's when Gonzaga was suffering through some injuries and trying to figure it out. So the RPI for this league was set early on. Now at the end of the year, I do think Gonzaga, BYU, and St. Mary's are all good enough, better than half the teams in that tournament field and should be in that field. But to get into the field, that's a body of work for the whole season, and this league took time to find itself at the beginning, and so the league's RPI was just too low to give them the mojo yeah. to get into this thing. Yeah. Blaine, great stuff as always, man. Uh, I'm sure we'll see you soon down the road. Dual threat analyst, football, basketball, go lift, for BYU team. Go, yeah, go get that lifting <laughs> I, I, in, man. I'm going to lift furniture. We're moving to Pro. No more big yeah, chips. Yeah, no more big chips. Yes. I'm going to be hanging out with you guys in the building all the time because I'm moving to Provo this weekend. Go. You're mo- you Finally. Finally. Welcome. I'm sorry, I'm busy. Land. I can't help this weekend. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's going to ask my on. next question. Who's available? <laughs> yeah, Talk to the elders. I, I am Blaine. I'm available. Don't worry. Two men in a truck will help me out. Okay. <laughs> you have Gavin, too. Your son plays football for BYU. He can help yeah, lift a yeah, few get, things. Get Malongi off his mission or something to help you. What's the biggest story in BYU sports right now? Stay with us. 
Welcome back, sports friends, to the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. West Coast Conference Basketball Championships wrapping up. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan broadcasting in Radio Vision on BYU Radio. Simulcast on BYU TV, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The Badcats, the baseball team, killing it right now. They're at home for the second time this year. Played, uh, of course, Utah Valley, and then they play Niagara Friday, 8 Eastern and Saturday, 2 Eastern on BYU Radio. That series starts Thursday night as well, doubleheader Friday, and a game Saturday on the W.TV. You can listen to the last two games on BYU Radio. I'm excited to get back to Provo and watch this team because they have killed it at the beginning of the year. School best start. One week in Vegas, and we're still rolling. Unlike the two teams that came out of here. Because that was rough, right? <laughs> oh. The men's basketball team in the semis and the women's to San Francisco oh. in the championship game. But what do those losses really mean? Well, the men's play. means a lot. It's time to play Big Deal, No Deal. Big Deal. No deal. Brought to you by Brady Industries, a provider of commercial cleaning supplies and equipment throughout the western United States for over 65 years. Brady Industries Clean Solutions, a tradition for generations. Number one. Big deal, no deal. BYU men's hoops making an NIT run. Jerem? Sorry, have they made an NIT run? The idea of the run is no deal. They have to do this for it to be a deal. Even then, name the NIT winner last year. Tell me who it was. I have uh, no idea. SMU? Was it SMU? Somebody ta- check that. I'll take who cares for 300. Somebody check that. It'll Was be, it SMU? It'll, you have the internet. It'll be fun. It'll be fun for us to watch BYU play some more games. It'd be fun to have BYU in New York City. Yes. Is it a big deal? No. <laughs> yeah, I say, I say it's no deal because they don't even know who they're playing yet. Let's see who we'll BYU plays, if they have home game or home games, if they get a favorable seating and a draw that way. Let's, let's see the NIT bracket before we decide that this is a big deal. Right now is no deal. BYU basketball, the fact that they're playing still is good. Yeah, it, it could be fun, right? It was yes. fun when BYU... Oh, it was really fun. When they went to Southern Miss and won in Washington the... and Mercer and Bill Walton was in there. Glad to be yeah. here! That whole thing, that was fun. There's a chance that Bill Walton deal. could be calling a game for BYU again. So, yeah. Now, that is a bigger that's, deal than anything BYU does than winning the NIT is that Bill Walton comes to the Marriott Center. There's a chance that Bill could come back to the Marriott Center and talk more about Kreshemir Chosic. <laughs> Brigham Young, Young was right. This is your place. Now he's Lou Holtz. I don't know what just happened there. <laughs> Bill Walton means Lou Holtz. <laughs> I can see color. Number two. Big deal, no deal. Lexi Rydalch passes Hank Gathers as the WCC all-time leading scorer. You're a fool if you don't think this is a big deal. How many other players have scored more points in the West Coast Conference? Where are those crickets now? Wow, we are slow on the trigger. Whatever. Of course this is a big deal, Jaron, because Lexi Rydalch is going to hold that record maybe... For 20 years? Because that's was, how long it, was like that's how long it took years, for right? someone to bring Hank Gathers. And this is, this is a woman passing a man. Both, either gender, Lexi Rydalch has scored more points than any other athlete that's ever played in the West Coast Conference. Incredible. Listen, it's been so fun to watch Lexi Rydalch play. It's been so fun. She's been unbelievable. She's, She's going to be a WNBA draft pick. She will be drafted in WNBA. Now we've got Inception going. Number three. <laughs> Big deal, no deal. Kalani Sataki says there will be a tight end on the field for BYU. Do we have any blue goggles anywhere? 
Yeah. Oh man, we've got to get Somewhere. some up here. Well, where, I'm sure where? they're around. If I had them, I would put them on. Yeah, we've got we we've got someone looking for them right now. I think this is a big deal. Yes, there were there was a tight end on the field for BYU last year, but it wasn't technically it wasn't the tight end that everybody knows and loves and came to love in terms of the historical BYU football with Chad Lewis. They and brought Atula a defensive Mealy lineman over, Dennis Pitta and Johnny Remington Harley. Peck. Here we go. We got some blue goggles. Yeah. So, yes, I I won't be needing this. This is a huge deal for BYU to have the old-school tight end that Ty Detmer thrived on. Chris Smith, when he was throwing down the field to him, an 18-yard down and out. It's like, it's it's a big deal to me that BYU is going to implement the tight end back in the way that they used to run it with Ty Detmer. The tight end is a big part of BYU. We talk about all the quarterbacks, right? There have been some legit tight ends, so... I still go no deal, though, because, one, we don't know who it is. We don't know how good they're going to be. I want to see that position develop before we declare that it's a big deal. Ty Detmer says that the tight end is going to be an integral part of the offense, and you're telling me it's no deal. Do you even know the name of the dude that's going to do that? That's it what might I'm be saying. Brian Sampson. I don't I wanna, know. I want to know who the guy is and see him perform. It could be Josh go, Weeks. Okay, that's, that's maybe, it's, maybe it's Josh Weeks. Yeah, maybe. We don't know. It's March 8th. <laughs> Spoken like a true man that doesn't appreciate the countdown. (laughs) That's right. Number four. Big deal, no deal. BYU stretch of bad luck in Las Vegas. You had to go there. I'd like to begin on the Wikipedia page, Mormons in Las Vegas. Not until 1895 did the first large-scale migration of Mormons begin in the area at last, uh, long last fulfilling Brigham Young's early dream. The dream of Brigham Young was also that BYU would win championships in Vegas, I think. That's an unofficial statement from me, Jeremy Jordan, and not of Brigham this Young. This is the other place. Yes. In football, that didn't go well in December against Utah. It almost became legendary, but it wasn't. Men's hoops here, women's hoops here. Not good from December to now. Not good. So hopefully BYU in the future can come back to Vegas and change that because... Uh, luck has not been a lady tonight multiple times for BYU since December. It just feels bad right now because of recency bias, for sure. Football losing One in December. million percent. Men's basketball losing to Gonzaga. Women's basketball losing the tournament title game and to BYU, San Francisco. BYU men haven't won a tournament here, Mountain West, West Coast, since 01 either. That's not, that's not good either. I know the Vegas Bowls were fun, and BYU won several of those, 06 to 09. And now we have the piano music playing. Yeah. I say this is a very... <laughs> Very big deal that BYU. Oh, I haven't a, even declared has big deal. Had an no unfortunate run of uh, luck. Yeah, in big Vegas. deal because those were all important games. Utah, Gonzaga, gotta win those. <sighs> Number five, big deal, no deal. BYU volleyball wins twelve matches in a row. And Jerem Jordan still refuses to vote them number one. What do you have to say for yourself? No deal. Here's why, punks. Long Beach State <laughs> is number one for a reason. Do you know their two losses? In, they, they split with BYU. BYU won uh, in four, and then Long Beach State won in three, so Long Beach State is oh, a tiebreaker. Oh, but Jeremy beat BYU beat them head-to-head on the road. BYU's won 12 matches in a row. Long Beach State has won nine in a row, and their only losses in five sets at UCLA. Who was number one at the time? Until Long Beach State loses and BYU continues to win, I will have Long Beach State at one. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry. Yeah, don't be don't be sorry because I agree with you. I'm right there with you on and this And you one. helped me vote on this. Absolutely. You have to. Again, when you have when you have to look at every team's resume, week I'm in sorry and week for out. looking at the entire picture and making rational conclusions. Said nobody. <laughs> I'm not actually fired Jer's up. Fi- I don't oh, care. Oh no, you're fired up because no, we're, I don't. We're I don't still care. in Las Vegas, and I, the feelings are still raw. There's I'm, emotion. I'm in a glass Gonzaga- case of emotion. Yes, Ron Burgundy. The, the Gonzaga game has affected me a lot. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's not a big deal. And then the women don't close the deal it's either. It's a big deal that BYU's won 12 matches in a row, but the fact that they're still number two, no, that's, that's no deal. Listen, this weekend when I'm in Miller Park watching BYU baseball, and I'm I'm scraping some uh, lemon uh, strawberry lemonade. I'm not going to be stressed. I promise. ESPN's women's college basketball bracketologist Charlie Cream joins us next. He is a big deal. He's in cahoots with Joe Lenardi. They go way back. What does he have BYU doing in the NCAA tournament? Where is the seed after the loss? Stay with us. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan from the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. What a week. Remember, if you ever miss an episode of this show, you can watch it rebroadcasted weeknights on BYU TV starting at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We mentioned it a couple of times, but the BYU baseball team on a roll. They play Niagara this weekend, a four-game series. The third game of that series, Friday at 8 Eastern, will be on BYU Radio as well. Saturday at 2 Eastern time, you can check out the Cougars on the radio. Joining us now, a man of many talents, one of which being bracketology. And that's a very unique class to be in. Charlie Cream of ESPN. Charlie, welcome to uh, the set and BYU Sports Nation. Thanks for having me, guys. This is tremendous. What a game. Yeah, fantastic game between BYU and San Francisco. And a lot of people wondering, well, what happens to the BYU women's team now because they didn't win the West Coast Conference Championship. And so I guess we'll start there. BYU, you had them as a six seed before today's result. What happens to the Cougars now that they lost by two points to San Francisco? Well, I think everybody would be happy to hear that not much. Uh, there's too many teams they would have to have fallen back to or behind to go from a 6 to a 7. So I, I still have them as a 6. Mm. They were 22 overall on my board coming into today. I think maybe I, I'm going to jump Miami to the 22 spot, BYU to 23. But I, I don't see them falling any further than that. Tennessee would be next, and perhaps you could say Tennessee jumps them. But it still puts BYU at 24. Oklahoma was 25. And BYU, is, in my mind, has a greater body of work and has done a little bit more winning their conference in the regular season easily to be that at least that last number six seed. So even though Oklahoma beat BYU head-to-head very early, it's at this point you got to go by body of work. Exactly. Head-to-head plays a role, no question about it. And, it. and sometimes it will break a tie, so to speak. But usually what the committee does is they group teams in bunches. Not It's not a one-on-one situation normally. And they vote on these teams in bunches. And so head-to-head is taken into consideration, but there are so many other things that go into the, the pile that I think still, the way I've seen it all year, that I would, put, I would put BYU ahead of Oklahoma and perhaps still have to look at it even more deeply, but I think even ahead of Tennessee. Charlie, had BYU won that game, would you have moved them up at all or kept them at six? I think they would have still been a six. Okay. Uh, penetrating that top 20 on my list would have been very difficult given the same types of circumstances. So uh, they really didn't have anything to gain or lose today other than, obviously, they wanted to win a WCC tournament championship. But it doesn't hurt them in the big picture, in my mind. And it is obviously great for the league because if BYU wins the game, the WCC gets that one team in. Now it gets two. So for a non-Power 5 team like BYU coming out of the West Coast Conference, has Jeff Judkins and his crew and scheduling figured out how to get a single-digit seed. Have they figured out the formula here? Pretty close. He's got it figured out as well as any other coach at you know these kind of conferences. The scheduling of the tournaments, 
in November that take you places. Hawaii, in the case this year, uh, there's a there's a tournament here in, in Vegas every year at the South Point where this year a bunch of teams got together. And in fact, BYU beat Texas A&M in Hawaii. Well, A&M was right before that was at the tournament, the South Point here in Vegas. So they were, Texas A&M went from College Station to Las Vegas to Hawaii. They weren't back home for, I think it was about 10 days. Wow. Oh, perfect timing for the Cougars. Exactly. They were right <laughs> for the picking by the time that the Cougars got them in that Hawaii tournament. But getting involved in those, certainly, and then scheduling a Power Five here or there when you can, it certainly helps. And then it it helps actually the whole league because then a Santa Clara plays BYU and it helps their RPI. Same for San Francisco or Gonzaga. So it it has a sort of domino effect. The Pac-12 has done that probably better than anybody now in the last couple of years. But there are certain programs, BYU being one of them, that have gotten a handle on you. You don't want to overschedule because you don't want your record to reflect uh, maybe a 19 and 13 type season. But you can't ever underschedule. And I think it's it's more detrimental to underschedule than it is to if you overschedule and don't win sure. quite as many games. Sure. Can we talk about RPI for a second? Because that metric is used so heavily, yet there are times where I look at that and I go, does that really reflect how good a team What do you think of RPI? Do you use it heavily? I, I use it heavily because that's what the committee uses. They look at that. But there's other metrics, too. And I'll say this. People who don't like RPI, usually the people who don't like it are the ones whose team aren't as high as they would like. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't like that, it as much. As that BYU makes sense. Right. And if people who, who embrace it as their arguing point say they love it this year and maybe next year they hate it. But there are other metrics too. There's the Massey, there's the Jeff Sagarin, and I, I, would quest, I would ask anybody to look at all of those and say that they didn't scratch their head at something in each of those metric formulas. Uh, right now, the, the, I, look at the, I, used, I use them all, or I look at them all. The committee doesn't claim to use everything other, other than RPI in terms of the mathematical formulas, but I, I have a feeling they probably look at them. It's a, it's a good way to balance the RPI. And, for instance, BYU, great RPI. They're high 50s in Jeff Sagarin's ratings. Huge disparity. Wow. And that's one of those things where you scratch your head because I maybe some people would say, well, BYU is not the 15th best team in the country like the RPI would suggest. But they're certainly not the 58th or 59th best team either. So take them all with a grain of salt. Use them as uh, one of the ingredients in your soup. And, and then you've got to just consider everything. That's what the committee does. But they, the RPI is heavily used because it's the top 50 wins are based off the RPI. And strength of schedule is usually based off the RPI. So, yeah, it's, it's the one that gets the most attention and gets the most usage. And so that's what I follow is more closely than the others. But... There's a, there's every year there's a head scratcher or two or ten, and you just have to kind of measure it against what you've seen. Committee members watch games. I watch a lot of games and all the other things that go into it as well. ESPN's Charlie Cream, women college basketball bracketologist, with us at the Orleans Arena, just wrapped up the West Coast Conference championships. BYU playing in an improved West Coast Conference, and you look at the power metrics, and that all factors into where, where a team goes. How difficult or how, how challenging is the West Coast Conference this year 
from a national standpoint compared to other conferences? Well, I thought it was uh, it was it was a real competitive league, uh, at least maybe after BYU. Eventually, BYU kind of stretched out things and, and won the league fairly comfortably. But earlier in the year, I had a lot of West Coast Conference teams kind of grouped into those at-large last teams in, first teams out type thing. Santa Clara was, at one point was in the mix. San Diego was on my list for a long time. Uh, St. Mary's was still really was up until yesterday or today. Uh, all in the conversation. As it turned out, none of them were going to get in besides BYU is in at large. But it's re- it is a reflection of the conference's improvement and the fact that in all of that, I never even mentioned Gonzaga, who's been the team in the league for years and years and years, is is a testament to the league getting deeper. When you you mentioned watching games is important, does the fact that the BYU women are on TV a ton does that help in any way, especially when they're good? Oh, absolutely. But the committee members can get games if they. If, usually, what happens is committee members are assigned conferences during the course of the year, and they're 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 pledged to kind of watch as many of those games as they can, and they bring back the information to the group, and they can get DVDs and and, and get games in any way they want. If they have a game they want to request, they can get it. But certainly it, it does help when it's easy, when you can put your feet up. Maybe you're living on the East Coast as a committee member, and you come home, and you've got DirecTV, and you fire up the BYU network, and, and you, you watch. listen to Spencer. Exactly. <laughs> the dulcet tones, right? Yeah. And, and with that, you're nice and relaxed, and you're able to enjoy a BYU Pepperdine game and get a feel right then and there without having to kind of cram with all the DVDs. So, yeah, it certainly helps. It's anytime you can get more games on TV and in front of more eyeballs. The Pac-12 network is a perfect example of that. It's, that's also helped grow that conference. The Big Ten network has helped the Big Ten, although some people would say, well, it didn't really need that much help. But those things are, are big deals in big picture stuff and in, and in little picture stuff when we're trying to d- d- determine who gets in and who stays home. I know you're good friends with Joe Lenardi, who does bracketology on the men's side, and you've been working together in a, a sidebar conversation we had now for about 20 years, right? More yes, than 20 years. Wow, that's that's hard to hear when you say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. It ages both of us. Uh, but for the record, Joe is older than I am. All right. Hey, listen. <laughs> if they call him Joey Brackets, can we call you Charlie Brackets? I'm I'm all for it. Are Why you not? cool with sure. that? Sure. Yeah, I'll take any nickname. Okay. <laughs> Charlie Cream, aka Charlie Brackets, with us on BYU Sports Nation. Great insight. We appreciate the time. Oh, absolutely. Glad to be here. You guys do a fabulous job, and uh, it's a pleasure to join you. Thank Thanks, you sir. so much. We'll do it again. Our Twitter question today: What is the biggest story right now in BYU sports? You can pick anything you want. Is it second-ranked men's volleyball? Is it the women's basketball baseball, team projected man. to be a 60? Is it baseball? They're rolling right now. Your reaction's coming up in just a bit. We'll keep it here and come back to Las Vegas. BYU Sports Nation presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Later this week, the man, the myth, the baseball coaching legend at BYU. The head ball coach. Mike Littlewood has his team off to the best start in program history. What's been the secret? We'll talk to him about that. More from Don't BYU Spring Football. doing it. And BYU men's basketball. We'll also chime in on where they're headed to the NIT and what they think. What's Kyle Collinsworth's legacy? Yeah, Yeah, we need to discuss all that. All that. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit more about it right now in terms of NIT bracket watch. Is there an NIT bracketologist? (sighs) Are you going to be that guy? No. No. You're the punter guy. You're the Ray Guy Award. I got a kid. I don't have time for this. Okay. NYCBuckets.com. Okay. They do bracketology. 
in the NIT, they have BYU as a four seed playing LSU, a five seed. Ben Simmons, he's going to be the number one overall pick. Colin Coward had said he has no bust ability. He's going to be great. Right? Okay, That would be fun to host a guy like Ben Simmons. To me, here's what I look at the NIT like. Like a mediocre dessert. Okay, It's like, oh, I, I, would love, I would love a good dessert. What's a mediocre dessert in your mind? Paint the picture for me. Like a like like a okay pie. I don't know. Pecan pie. I don't really like it, but it's like, eh, it's pie. I'm kind of bored. Sure, entertain me, whatever. <laughs> like, I'm watching the Lions lose another Thanksgiving Day game or whatever. Here's the NIT. It's like, oh, I like BYU basketball. There's not a, a ton else going on, so why not? But if you get to the Big Apple in the Final Four, you add some whipped cream to that. Some apple pie or something. You add some whipped cream to that, yeah. right? Sure. Yeah, okay. it's fun. Like, winning the NIT is not a relevant thing, per se. But if you're going to be in it, yeah, play well. It, it could be fun. To me, that's what it is. So, if BYU, okay, if BYU won that game, you know who else is in this tournament? Gonzaga right now. Let's see. If the Zags don't make it in the NCAA tournament, it would be fun to be opposite the Zags and play potentially in New York or something. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Okay, earlier in the show, I asked who won. You asked me who won the NIT championship last year, and I said I'll take who cares for four hundred. My no. guess was SMU. Okay, I I was kind of close. Twenty fourteen, SMU was the runner up. Oh man, that was an epic <laughs> NIT. Everyone watched that one. No one cares about Stanford. the NIT. Stanford won it for a second time in four years last and year, and that has really helped their program. The Cardinal that no, really gave had, them, that gave them uh, some points in, in the overall uh, greatness NCAA standings, right? What's that? Huh? What's that? The uh, Sears Cup the or Sears whatever. Cup. <laughs> no, it, listen, it's Fourth just fun. Half point. If you're in it, go. Yeah, go win it. Go try hard. Let's It'd be have cool fun. to play in the Garden in, yes, in New York. Yes, that's cool. Yeah, that would yeah. be really cool. BYU right now projected a four seed, and yeah, a potential matchup with Ben Simmons. That's fun to think about. Something like that. Yeah, if BYU could play LSU and maybe even Florida and Gonzaga and this, that could be cool. It, entertaining, right? What does it mean? It doesn't mean a whole lick that BYU could get up to 25 wins this season or whatever. Yeah, sure. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need the most. DexterLaw.com. And we're giving it to a very well-deserving Lexi Rydall. Baller! All-time leading scorer, West Coast Conference basketball history. She reminds me of me a lot of times. What I wish I was is I got rim-checked. Sprite won't make you jump higher. On Tuesday nights. No, she's awesome. She's fantastic in the way that she's able to score the basketball. Regular Last year, WCC Tournament Championship. Unable to close that out today, unfortunately. Got called for five fouls. Who fouls out the all-time leading scorer, by the way? Anyway. Not Come bitter on. about that one. Come on! Yeah, the, at WCC officials, my homies. Man, I'm going to miss them. It's going to be a tough summer without those guys. But Lexi Rydall uh, won the regular season championship. WCC Player of the Year. She's had a fantastic year. Want to give a shout out to our crew here in Las Vegas yeah. and back at BYU boom, boom, Broadcasting. Boom, boom. It takes an army of people to do this, to to make BYU sports accessible the way that we do. So to all of you working with us on the crew, a huge thank you. Some and good to, looking dudes in that truck. And to everyone watching, you help us have jobs. So thank you to all of you for making BYU Sports Nation so much fun to do and put on on a daily basis. We thank the West Coast Conference for their Lynn Holzman, uh, accommodations. Everyone. Absolutely. The way that they treated us here. Great people to work with. It's been a fantastic week. And the next time we're here, Eric, Mika, and TJ Haas will be with yes! us. It's going to be awesome. Thanks to Charlie Cream, Blade Fowler, and everyone on our crew. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUS. I, I kind of looked like a pirate when I did that. Yarg! Yeah, let's get you an eye patch. Okay.
Thanks, everyone. Download the podcast on iTunes. For Jeremy, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Ron Solis. Yeah. Goodbye,